Welcome into the PFN Bengals podcast. I am Dallas Robinson. He is Jay Morrison. Jay, we're 48 hours after that amazing Saturday afternoon <laughs> Bengals win. I'm still trying to process that T. Higgins touchdown catch. I still can't believe he caught it 48 hours later. It's just unbelievable. The entire game was unbelievable. The Bengals come back. They're down 17-3 entering the fourth quarter. Three straight touchdown drives to go to overtime. Pull out another win and stay in the thick of this AFC wildcard race. Jay, you were you were at your son's graduation, so yeah. you were playing catch-up. I mean, <laughs> what, what did you think? I mean, what are your initial thoughts on this game? It's, there's so much to get into that like, I don't even barely know where to start with this game what did, what did you think how did you how'd you take in this game and what were your thoughts at while watching yeah so I, I was able to watch a little bit um on my phone during the ceremony um you know it was it was a very the the president gave a quick speech and they had a an OU grad was the keynote speaker and then they went right to the names so all when I was watching all I was there was other people's names were being called so I wasn't really missing much and when it got to 17-3 and then browning through the interception I thought that was probably going to be it. And then uh, my daughter and her friend were watching. I turned mine off. Uh, they were watching, gave me an update, said they scored. We were doing pictures afterwards, and they they said they, they told me about the Jermaine Pratt pick six, and it was called off. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the play you talked about, the T. Higgins touchdown, um, we were actually done with pictures, walking to our car uh, in the football stadium parking lot, watching the game on my phone. And I know people complain about this all the time when I do it, I'm tweeting things and they're watching on delay and they're like, Oh, you're, you know, you're spoiling it. Yeah. Uh, my phone started blowing up with uh, tweets about this ridiculous catch from uh, T Higgins. So I pulled my wife over. I was like, you might want to watch this next play. And we saw it. <laughs> and what the, the first thing that comes to mind with me, I mean, amazing. And unlike anything, you know, you've really seen, yeah. The, the thing that instantly came to my mind, and, and I'll be eager to talk to some players about this when the next time we have access, but the, the Bengals have always been adamant about don't reach mm. for the goal line. There's, I mean, you, and that was a blind behind. There's, if, if somebody's there and knocks that out and the ball goes, it could be a touchback. And it's just, yeah. it's like, it's one of the cardinal rules that I think a lot of teams do, but the Bengals really drill it into the receivers that if you get close to the goal line, unless it's fourth and goal. Yeah. Don't reach um, to try to get that touchdown. And and T did it. And it's just such an awkward backward reach. If you look at the photo, he doesn't even have the laces. He's got the back part of the ball. He's got big hands. He's got strong hands. But it was just it was like how how crazy that could have gone from one of the most epic touchdowns in Bengals history to to one of the most disastrous uh, rulings. And I know the league is actually talking right now about. Uh, changing that rule where a fumble that goes into the end zone now these end zone being a touchback is too punitive for the offense but that that was one of the first things that crossed my mind when I saw that is like man he's he's lucky there was not a defender there to knock it out of his hand I think it was just a huge game for T and I think he yeah, needed it right I mean it's it, he's in his contract year he's probably got a lot on his mind with being a free agent next year and, he, and he's had a bad season coming coming up until up until this past game he's had injuries he's had ineffectiveness and he had a bad first half too i mean this didn't look like it was going to be some t higgins breakout game right i mean he he dropped a potential 40 yard catch that got overturned yeah. on review i mean it's it, it wasn't great early on it looked like another bad bad game in his contract year and then just really came alive in the second half and really was kind of the the driving force and we'll get into the jamar chase injury and where he stands but if jamar isn't able to play this next week t will have that opportunity that he had last year when jamar chase was in mm-hmm. to kind of be this was, wide receiver one on on this team and that, that would obviously be huge for him and he did he uh, had he had i mean i 
he didn't have huge games all those four, but he did step up and play really well. I remember the uh, the Tennessee yeah. game in particular. He had he had sure. a touchdown and a key catch to kind of clinch the game. Um, you know, it's uh, I, I saw it from one of the reports where where Troy Walters, wide receivers coach, went up to him after Jamar got hurt and said, "You have to be the alpha now." Yes. And uh, and he really took that role to heart and put it on his shoulders. And yeah, just an amazing fourth quarter for that guy for the team and as a whole. For everybody, and for for Jake Browning as well. I mean, this just continues third straight game in a row where Jake Browning looks like one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. I think he obviously had that uh, a terrible interception, but it, it seems like the past couple of weeks, like he has to do something bad to kind of get him in a groove before he actually comes back on fire. Right? He was tenth in QBR this week. He was tenth in EPA per play. He, we know T. Higgins had a huge, huge game, but Jake Browning hit twelve different receivers on Sunday. He really spread the ball around and kind of found everyone. He hit every possible Bengals receiver I think except for Trent Irwin he hit every possible receiver he I think could have. I think he had 11 because I had did he I had looked Maybe I counted wrong I think 12 I is the wrong. NFL record that I had looked okay. up and he had 11 he had nine with two or more catches that's a Bengals franchise it's, record it's it was it was a really impressive spreading it around performance and it clearly meant a lot to him too which we didn't even talk about heading into <laughs> last week's game that this revenge game narrative yeah. right and and, and Jake Browning kept it quiet, too. This wasn't something he was, like, going, talking about going into this Minnesota Vikings game. But afterwards, he was very, very open about how much this meant to him and being cut by the Vikings and what a terrible experience that was for him. And obviously, it meant a lot to him. So it was great to see him continue to play well. Um, I mean, where do you see him going forward? Is, is this going to continue? I think at this point, you have to say that Jake Browning is, is obviously going to be a long-term NFL backup at this point. I think he's shown enough that he could stick in this league. Yeah. If he keeps playing like this for the rest of the season, I don't I don't know where, where things could go. Like is he gonna be the Bengals backup next year? Could they get something for him? I don't know. He 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 has truly surprised me in a way that like, NFL players rarely do anymore. He has totally ch- shifted the narrative of of how he could perform and how he can play, in my mind at least. I mean, there's been talk all year about Gardner Minshew is the gold standard, the current gold standard for backup quarterbacks in this league. And honestly, who who would you rather have at this point? I mean Browning's got a head-to-head win against Gardner Minshew. He's playing better than Gardner Minshew. As far as where this goes, I mean, the Bengals can offer him a league minimum salary next year, and as an exclusive rights-free agent, he can't even negotiate after that. He's bound to that. So odds are he's going to be here. Now, you're right. If he keeps playing like this, gets him in the playoffs, wins a playoff game, who knows, then maybe teams start coming and they they offer yeah. a, a trade offer the Bengals can't refuse. But at this point, I mean, the Bengals would be crazy uh, to, unless it is a, a, a just an offer they can't say no to. Yeah. They'd be crazy not to keep him around for another Absolutely. year. What a security blanket! And then it's obvious that that he and Joe Burrow work so well together. And he even if he's not playing, even if Joe Burrow takes every snap next year, Jake Burrow can be an incredible asset. Yeah. for Joe and go back to the role he had before sitting in on defense meetings and, and just he can be a, a huge asset for this team next year I'd, I'd be stunned uh, if he's anywhere but back in stripes in 2024 some of the other plays I want to talk about on offense I think that were just interesting to me at least where uh, that trick play on third and one by Tanner Hudson on the first drive <laughs> I thought that was that was a very interesting call I, I don't know if I'd go with that one again and then the uh, the Charlie Jones that almost connected out for a deep shot um, down, down the middle. I know they, they couldn't connect Browning and Jones couldn't connect on that, but man, Charlie Jones is a burner. <laughs> he, could, yes. he could, I know he let up a little bit, obviously, which led, which kind of led to the incompletion, but man, we'd like to see him get involved in this offense too. I think 
overall, you know, you, this offense, obviously they got down in the, in the first half, but to keep showing that resiliency, that, that's kind of the word you have to keep coming back to. Mm-hmm. The, the, these past few weeks, is they're, they're so resilient that no matter what happens, you feel like there's a chance they can get back in this game. Um, and, and I think that's kind of the same on the defensive side of the ball too, who we've talked all year long about how this unit is a bend but don't break defense yeah. and we saw it again this week right obviously the, the the stops on third and fourth down in overtime when when the vikings were trying to do the tush push that we we've heard is unstoppable right the nfl is going to ban this play because it can't be stopped well the bengals stopped it twice in a row and and let them win win a, a game in overtime um i thought for the most part there were there were a lot of interesting plays on defense i think mike hilton in specifically had a really really good game great game it was there was one. There was one drive in the second quarter uh, where he just absolutely dominated. He had a tackle for loss on first down, and then he picked off Nick Mullins in the red zone on, on third down. It was everything you want out of, out of a veteran player like Mike Hilton. I thought he was incredible. Um, BJ Hill, another interception <laughs> from a defensive tackle position. I mean, how when do you ever see that? Uh, Trey Hendrickson, Jermaine, Jermaine Pratt should have had a pick six. Obviously, there were a lot of performances to talk about in the defense. Jay, I mean, what did you think about this defensive performance overall? Yeah, you're right. I mean, Hilton was incredible. He, he's just got such a knack as a as a blitzer where where he doesn't show it. And and if it is a run as opposed to a pass, he is he is so physical for his size. I mean, yeah. he's a really good tackler. I remember, you know, he, he chopped down Derrick Henry in a game. I can't remember if it was a playoff game or if it was last year's regular season game. He's fearless back there. Um, and he's just a, a leader. He has been a leader since he got here. Um, you know. I, I think you got to give some credit to to Josh Tupo coming in and he didn't have any splash plays, but to kind of just take, take that DJ reader role, another defensive tackle, Zach Carter. I mean, he's the one that blew up the the Viking yeah. center that, that, that stopped that fourth down the, 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 the fourth and inches in overtime, the tush push they tried um, just really, really impressive what they're able to do and to come back from losing DJ reader. I I think, I don't know if people really understand how much that hit this team, not just what he brings on the field, but who DJ is as a person, as a leader happened so early in the game. And then they know what's up. They, they talk about, Oh, I don't get into other people's business. They know he's in a contract year. He's got one more shot at a big deal a big contract. He's going to be 30 on July 1st. So that's already working against him. And now this injury going into free agency. I mean, it's just a, a crushing blow for a universally loved guy in that locker room. Um, maybe it did help that it happened so early and, and they had time to kind of gather their thoughts and their emotions and, and then come back and rally, like you said. Um, but, you know, that that was huge. The DJ or the DJ Ivy. Um, is is it hurts because it really it, it knocks down the depth of, of what they've got at corner. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's come on. He played you know more than he has in, in the Colts game and had a couple nice plays. He's primarily been a gunner on special teams, but still you just see those guys falling. And then a couple of linemen went down. I know we're talking yeah. about the defense right now, but um, just the 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 way that this defense finds a way. You mentioned the Hilton pick i believe that was the opening drive of the game wasn't it where he got the interception right at the goal line um and, and they they just it's it goes back to what lou's been saying all along it's 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 points not yards and this team it it, it 
what they've done all year, what they've done under Lou is kind of a microcosm of, of the, or the game was a microcosm of that where they, yeah. it's, it doesn't look good. The team's moving. And then they just find this way to come up with a play, to come up with a stop to, to either sometimes it's to win a game. Sometimes it's just to kind of stem the tide and give the offense a chance to go win the game. And, yeah. and, and that's what they did again on multiple occasions against the Vikings. Talking about those injuries, I mean, so how how can they replace DJ Reader? I don't think they really can. <laughs> I mean, if we if we really get down to it, I don't think there's a lot of players in the NFL that can really play that type of role anymore. Let alone in the Bengals. You mentioned Zach Carter, Josh Tupo, Jay Tufale. I think they'll obviously all be in the mix. Yeah. Maybe they could promote someone like Dominique Davis if they need depth from the practice squad. Um, you know, the interest the Titans just cut a guy named Tier Tart this past weekend, who's a younger defensive tackle. Sounds like he's a bit of a head case, and that's the reason that he got cut. I, I think he still will have some interest around the league due to his age and his talent. I don't know if that's the type of the guy that Bengals want to bring in this late in the season at this point. Um, and then the DJ Ivy injury, I mean, he's mostly been a special teamer, Jay, but you know, we talked about before the show, they're getting a little they're getting a little thin at cornerback yeah. on this Bengals depth chart. Cam Taylor Britt's already on injured reserve. So you're starting Cheeto Bouzier and DJ Turner at the outside. If someone goes down there's not really an outside option on the roster right now. They've got Alan George on the practice squad. They have Sidney Jones on the practice squad. They've got Jalen Davis, who, you know, is mostly a slot corner. Daxton Hill could maybe play outside corner in a pinch if he had to. I don't, I don't know where they would go if they lost another corner. I think that's maybe an issue they'd have to, to look at if that came up. You've got guys like Marcus Peters as a free agent. William Jackson is a free agent. If the Bengals want to forge a reunion <laughs> with him, I, I think we know that's Zero not going to happen. Zero percent chance of that. That's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, but, they, but they are getting a little thin there. You know, that, that's what happens as, as seasons go along. Guys get hurt and you have to, you have to find this depth. I, I think that'll be something to look at as, as the season goes along, especially cornerback. Well, the good news is we've seen Cam Taylor Britt doing stuff at practice. He's, he's, yeah. he's been running around. He looks like he's ready to go. He's eligible to come off for the, the, the Chiefs game in two weeks. Do you really need cornerbacks if you're going to play the Pittsburgh Steelers? I mean, this very is, good point. It's it's I mean, it, it is it's it's not good to be this thin, but it's 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 not like they're heading into a dire situation playing that Pittsburgh offense. Sure. Um, they are really high on Alan George, whether it's him or Sidney Jones that they promote from the practice squad. We'll see. I, I think I kind of lean toward Alan George. I, I was surprised that they even kept Sidney around. I think it was purely for an, an emergency like this. Mm -hmm. He just didn't have a very good camp or preseason. Uh, Alan George did. Alan George made the 53 last year as an undrafted guy out of Vanderbilt. Um, I, I, I think they really do like him and they're just wasn't room for him so this could be his chance to to you know be promoted whether it's uh, yeah. brought up to the 53 or if it's just a game day elevation um, but big spot for him I, I think that's the way they'll go this week against Pittsburgh yep I, I would agree I, I think that that sounds most likely Jay anything else before this game I, I want to get into the playoff race and kind of where the Bengals stand in this picture there were so many results this weekend on Saturday Sunday that really affected where the Bengals are kind of like position of this race and they're they're in the playoffs of the season started today but i think we all know that it's not it's not a guarantee um anything else in this viking team before we wrap up Jay? yeah there was one more thing i mean with browning you know he's been so good and i think people forget that there is some learning that has to go on and there's a learning curve and and you mentioned at the interception um you know if if that's if the game's tied if it's close i don't think he makes that throw 
I, I think that was almost kind of a desperation. Of, I mean, he didn't see the uh, the guy that actually intercepted it. But even if if that one if that defender wasn't there, I think the corner that was covering the receiver, I think it was Irv Smith that he was throwing through on that one. He would have undercut it, and it would have been an interception. It just yeah. it was a bad decision. It was almost like a panic decision. You could see him walking off the field like he knew it instantly, and, and that's all part of the growing pains of being a young quarterback. He's he's not young age wise. He's twenty seven. But he's young, experience-wise. It's yes. still just his fourth start, and so um, to to come back from that the way he did, I just I just think that's another sign that he's got a future in this league. To put that behind him, and then three touchdown drives in the fourth quarter, even though the first one was like one play because they had already done most of the work right. in the third quarter. But sure. uh, just just really really impressive, and and I think yeah yeah you, you have to kind of embrace reality that. Mm-hmm. Those those are pro- you're probably going to see some more of that from. It's not like yeah. Jake Browning's not going to throw interceptions and maybe key ones down the stretch. Uh, but as long as this team can can find ways to to overcome them and he himself can find ways to overcome them, it, it, it you could see more of what's going on right now with this winning streak. Yes. Let's talk about this playoff race, Jay. But before we do, let's talk about the PFN Merchandise Store. Christmas is right around the corner. We got the PFN Merchandise Store. It's now open just in time for this holiday season. I want you to go to pfnmerch.com today to get some exclusive shirts, sweaters, hats, and more for the football fan in your life. Act now to take advantage of the great deals on pfnmerch.com. There's great coupon codes. There's Bengals gear. There's everything you need for the holiday season. I'll be doing some shopping there myself this week. Jay, let's talk about this playoff race. Bengals right now would be the number six seed if the playoffs ended today, but of course they do not end today. The Browns are nine and five. They are in the number five seed. The Colts, Texans, and Bills are also eight and six. They're also they're all below the Bengals in the AFC standings. And then we got the Steelers and the Broncos down at seven and seven. Um, ESPN's FPI and the New York Times both have their playoff predictors. They both have the Bengals playoff chances around 35, 36%. So mm-hmm. one in three, somewhere around there. If they beat the Steelers, those odds will go up to about 50-50, so roughly a coin flip. If everything else goes right, if if the Chargers beat the Bills, the Falcons beat the Colts, the Patriots beat the Broncos, Browns beat the Texans, if every single thing goes the Bengals' way, they'll be up at about 75% after Mm. next week. There's a lot going on here. (laughs) There's there's so many permutations. I've spent the past two weeks writing countless playoff scenario articles, and and I'm still so confused. It's... There's a lot that can happen to the point where it's almost kind of you know futile to discuss the ins and outs of what what could happen. The Bengals are are in a good spot, obviously, from where they were earlier in this season. I think talent wise and roster wise, you have to feel good about how the Bengals stack up with these with these other teams, especially given the injury situations that some of these other clubs are dealing with. I do think the Bengals are in a bad spot when it comes to some of the tie breaking situations, though. They've already lost to a couple of these teams. They've got a poor record in the AFC North. They have a poor record in the AFC. If there's a if there's a big tiebreaker after Week 18, I think the Bengals could be some could be in some trouble. The best solution for that would just be to win out. We we don't we don't know how that's going to happen if that's going to happen or not. Steelers, Chiefs, and Browns. It's a, it's not the easiest slate in the world. Um, some of these other teams that are in the AFC wildcard race have much easier schedules. Jay, where do you, where do you see this playoff race? I mean, does one does a does a thirty six percent chance a one in three roughly chance? Does that sound right to you? I mean, where do you see this all standing, kind of heading into this week? Yeah, I mean, I it seems low to me. I I feel I, it feels like they 
they have a really good chance to go two and one. And I wouldn't rule out three and oh, I, I, the chiefs just do not look like themselves. Um, and, and who knows, you know, if, if they, the, the chiefs could go into that game with a two game lead in the West and, and maybe not be as dire of a game. It's not yeah. likely. Um, but, but I do, I, I like their chances, which is based on the way they're playing right now. And then I know Cleveland's been a thorn in their side, but I'm not, I'm not buying this Cleveland team with Flacco. I mean, they are a different team on the road, and, and that's where that Bengals-Browns game is going to be at Paco, a road game for for Cleveland. I'm I'm not sure Cleveland's going to get out of this weekend unscathed. <laughs> I mean, the Texans, that's a that's a tough spot to go down there. C.J. Stroud should be back. I, I think what you mentioned with the tiebreakers, um, that's the interesting thing. If the Bengals win out, then then they do. They get back closer to 500 in the conference record, sure. and you, you figure – that's where these other teams are going to be too. So it's not necessarily a death knell that they, they can't win it. But the, the ideally that the best way is for them to be in a, in a tiebreaker, a two, a three, even a four team with these teams that they've got the head to head advantage on. They've beaten the Jaguars. They've beaten the Colts. They've beaten the bills. Um, That's where if it's a multi-team tiebreaker and if it if it is, and I know we've talked about this in the past, but the first thing they do is they they funnel it down to one team per division. They mm-hmm. use the division, so you figure the Steelers will be out of it if the Bengals do what they need to do, and the Browns could likely be ahead of them. If if the Browns are not ahead of them, maybe you're talking about the fifth seed, and the Browns get that, and then you'd start all over yeah. again, and you're talking about a sixth seed. So that's not that big of a deal. the The big worry here, I think, what Bengal fans if, if you, there's not really a team to root for. There's definitely a team to root against, and it's the Broncos because the Bengals don't play the Broncos. So any kind of three, four way, whatever that tie is, head to head goes out the window because for head to head to apply, one team has to have beaten all the other ones. And since the sure. Bengals and Broncos don't play, so then it is going to go to conference record. And that could be a problem. The other thing, and you mentioned it, some of these teams have easier schedules than the others. Yeah. The Broncos are home against the Patriots this week. <laughs> Home against the Chargers the following week and at the Raiders in week 18. Yeah. I mean, if they don't go 10 and 7, there's something something's wrong. wrong. Yes. I mean, yeah. their, their, their uh, strength of schedule remaining is 333. Uh, same for the Jaguars. They're at the Buccaneers versus the Panthers at the Titans. That's, that's the other thing that for Bengals fans to be rooting for. Bengals fans want the Texans to win the, a- the AFC South. If you get the Texans are the one team that has the head to head against the Bengals. So you get them out of the mix by having them win the division. And then it comes down to that tiebreaker Jaguars or Colts, uh, whichever one of them wins the head to head to survive to be the one team in the tiebreaker from that division. The Bengals have head to head against both of them. So that would be that would be an ideal situation to just get the Texans out of the mix, have them win the win the NF or the AFC South. Uh, But there is there's so much. I mean, three weeks to go. There is a lot that can happen. The Bengals. I talked about how bad the Jaguars and Broncos remaining schedule. The Bengals' uh, strength of schedule remaining is 595. Of all the teams in the mix, that's the second highest. Steelers are at mm-hmm. 610. So they do have their work cut out for them, but they're favored against the Steelers. I have a sense they're going to be favored against the Browns. They're not going to be favored in Kansas City, but no. they were 10-point underdogs at Jacksonville. They went down there and won that game. I just, I, I don't know that I would pick them to beat the Chiefs, but I'm, it's not a crazy thought at this point. And, and if they win out, there still is a scenario where they could miss yeah. the playoffs. It, it's it's slim, but there is a chance. If they get to 10 wins, 
you're feeling pretty good about your chances, but it's not guaranteed. Right. I, I think so. They have to win. They have to win at least two of these next three games, yeah. I would say, to get in. If they finish with only nine wins, there's there's really no chance they're going to get in the playoffs. Mm. So you, you've got to win at least two of these next three games. It, it's hard to predict what's going to go on because, like you talked about, Jay, so many of these teams are playing each other. They're all playing each other. It's all going to sort itself out of these next three weeks. The Bengals don't technically control their own destiny, but if they can win out, I mean, they're almost be guaranteed to get a playoff spot. And the way they're playing, you have to feel good about their chances, I think. You, you really do. Um, starting with next week in Pittsburgh, they're going to go back and, and play the Steelers for the second time this year. Jake Browning, it's going to be his second start against the Steelers. We, we know how that first one went, Jay, and that kind of set the Jake Browning narrative that we've all kind of had to adjust in our minds since then, right? Um the Steelers do not look like a good football team right now mm. in any capacity. They're 7-7, seven and seven, but they've lost three straight games, and the games they've lost have been terrible because they've lost to the Cardinals, they've lost to the Patriots. It's been a really, really bad performance. Uh, over the past three weeks when, when Kenny Pick has been out of the lineup, they're the third worst offense from an efficiency perspective in the NFL. And it's not just that, it's the defense too. 23rd at efficiency over the past three weeks. Now they've got Cam Hayward in the concussion protocol. Mika Fitzpatrick was hurt on Sunday. Uh, we don't know if he's going to play. They've, they've got some other guys banged up on defense. This team is just – you keep waiting for that Mike Tomlin magic over these past three weeks mm-hmm. to get sprinkled in, and it's just not there. It's just not there this year. And I think even Tomlin is getting frustrated with how things are going. And you, and you rarely see him kind of show that emotion, at least in public. Um, this is a team that's not in a good place right now. And I think this is – it's this game will look much different than it did when these two teams played a month ago. Yeah. I mean, it, Kenny Pickett might be back. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a hundred percent and it's not like he's a savior walking through the door. Right. Either. So, yeah. um, and, and you mentioned, you know, the, the, where the Bengals are cornerback wise, the, the Steelers could have a major issue at safety because if, if Minka can't go and, I don't know if people watch the the game, but Demonte Casey got ejected from that that Colts yep. game, um, and 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 Trenton Thompson, who has been playing, they've been playing a lot of like big nickel with three safeties. He got hurt too. Yeah, so it's a, it's a real problem. And the thing with Casey is he the, he he's going to get fined. He got ejected. He's yeah. going to get fined. That's going to be a sixth fine this year, and that was such an egregious hit. I'd be surprised if he doesn't get suspended. I mean, they not on the hit alone. And, and maybe it is. Maybe that hit alone was suspension worthy. But you see them do. They've done it before. They did it with Jackson in Denver. Uh, they did Devontae's perfect back in the day. Uh, repeated violations of the league safety rules. Six yeah. fines for one guy. Now DK Metcalf has six, but a lot of those are kind of shoving and and uh, more unsportsmanlike yeah. than than vicious hits. Um, so and this I, happened in a in a standalone game too, yes, where it's the, like maybe they, maybe they want to send a message. Instant yeah. ejection. Um, so yes, I, I would be, I, like I said, I'd be surprised if he's not suspended at least one game for this and miss the Bengals game. Um, and it's, it's just, you've got wide receivers quitting on plays and, and, and it's just, they're not in a good spot. It's just not, I know the whole Tomlin's never had a losing record and they've been good in, in closing games, but this team's lost three in a row. Uh, two of them were two the Patriots and the Cardinals who both had two wins at the time. Then they go in a gotta have it game standalone game in Indy, get off to a 13, nothing lead and blow that and get blown out, give up 30 unanswered. It's just, this is not the Steelers that you're used to seeing. And, and I, 
I say it all the time and I can't quantify it. I, I, I don't know what the reason is, but for whatever the reason, the Bengals play the Steelers better in Pittsburgh than they play them in mm. Cincinnati. And if you remember last year, Jamar Chase was out. And this was part of the T. Higgins, you know, stepping up first game coming out of the bye. They go to Pittsburgh and put up 37 points. They never they play well in Pittsburgh. They never score that many points in Pittsburgh. So I just with the way they're playing, with the way the Steelers are playing, I don't I know everybody kind of has PTSD with with the, the way the Steelers treated the Bengals during the Marvin era. But this is this is a totally new era. Uh, and I just I'd be surprised if this if this game doesn't go the Bengals' way, and, and maybe comfortably. It's it's so funny how things have changed since the last game, right? I mean, discussing how Jake Browning was going to play or how this how this coaching staff can find answers. They, they've just proven it over these past three weeks to the point where you get to a repeat game like this, and it, just as, an, as a neutral observer, you feel so much more confident about the Bengals' chances, not only because of how Browning is playing, but – this coaching staff has just found so many little answers to help him, right? The, the play action stuff, the the improved offensive line, the screen game, all these little solutions that that they've that the Brian uh, Brian Callahan and Zach Taylor have kind of put together to to help Jake Browning out. I'd expect more of that against against the Steelers. I, I really would. I just this is a team that doesn't have a lot of guys on offense or defense that scare you, aside from the edge rushers, which which we could talk about. There's just not a lot of impact players on this team, I think. So I, I don't see a scenario where the Steelers could rack up a big lead that, that's insurmountable for the Bengals. I, I just don't see that happening. Even if they did get out to a lead like they did against the Colts, I would have all the faith in the world in this offense to, to come back and and put up points like they did this past week. Um, I, I I just don't I, I don't really cons- I know the the Bronco the Steelers are kind of in the playoff picture still, but I, I really don't put them in the mix with these other AFC teams. They're just I would easily put them at the bottom, the bottom rung among, among this entire group. So a couple more things about this game where I, I think the one area where maybe Bengals fans could be a little uneasy is we've already talked about it. DJ Reader's gone. And this Steelers offense ran for 153 on the Bengals with DJ Reader a couple of weeks ago. So that's yeah. Najee Harris, Jalen Warren. If they get that going again, that could be a difference maker. But then on, on the plus side for the Bengals, we, we talk all the time, and the, the Bengals coaches have talked about the similarities between Joe Burrow and, and Jake Browning mentally, their ability yeah. to process and, and just to, to learn things quickly. And we saw this from Joe Burrow early in his career, and it's continued. The second time he plays a team, he's so much better. He, he's he got yes. this instant recall. He, he knows what they're doing. And, yeah, they throw in wrinkles. They change things around. But it's still fundamentally the same defense that he's facing and the Pittsburgh defense feels like it's been the same forever um so that it was just what four weeks ago that Jake Browning saw him for the first time now he gets to see him the second time that's gonna be really interesting to see how he reacts uh, how he improves uh, and I just I, I think that's another thing that Bengal fans can kind of fall back on where this should go in their favor but that that is the one caveat is like the yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers are known for running the ball, especially this time of the year. Uh, they 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 could turn this into a, a, an ugly, muddy, just gritty game uh, and take advantage of no DJ Reader. Um, but I still, I just, I they don't have the playmakers. If the, if the Bengals can yeah. go in there and and keep this offense rolling, I don't know how the Steelers keep up. No, it's an interesting point about Reader though, and I, but I think it does like it creates an opportunity to see what Zach Carter can do, what Josh Tupo mm-hmm. can do. 
we, we've seen it at other positions. We've seen guys like DJ Turner step up and Jordan Battle step up. Young young guys who have really kind of taken hold of a, of a starting role and run with it. Zach Carter's flashed, I think, but this will be his real opportunity to kind of see, hey, can, are you going to be a long-term piece along this defensive line? Can you really? And it's not like the Steelers' offensive line is amazing, right? They, they've, they're, they're a decent offensive line that has some good pieces. But the, I think the interior, could, could you could get after that interior a little bit. So it's a big opportunity for, for Zach Carter and for the rest of those defensive tackles, I think, with DJ Reader out. But it, it's definitely, if, if I were running the Steelers offense, which thank God I'm not, uh, <laughs> whoever is doing that, I, I think you're right, Jay. I think if, if I were running that offense, that would be my plan. Target target the DJ Reader list defensive line. Um, let's get into our bets and predictions, Jay, for this week. What did, how do we do last week? I, I believe I actually did better on my non-Bengals bet than I normally do. Uh, I, f- I felt pretty good about that. But where, where do we stand heading into this week with our bets and predictions? Yeah, so you you had uh, Lions minus four, won that one comfortably. Uh, but you're, you're bang- you went with the Bengals to cover. Uh, and it was four and a half when we recorded. So it was uh, that they did not. They only won by three. So you didn't win that one. But. You did better than I did. Um, I didn't like that line. Um, and so I teased it to Bengals plus one and a half. And then I I teased the under up to 45 and a half. And so I, I got the, the Bengals part of it right. But then the, the score went over. So that was a loss. Uh, I also went with Dallas plus one and a half against Buffalo. <laughs> and that came nowhere close. Not so quite. A rare 0 and 2 week for me. I was in first place. Now I'm uh, now I'm back down at minus two um so still got some work to do to yeah to to hold you off um you're you 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 held steady at minus 50 and now this week is another week all right so i'm gonna make up some more ground this week i'm gonna pick the thursday night game i'm gonna go with the rams minus four and a half against the saints okay i've, I've been high on the rams all year I've, i think i've been the high man at, at pfn on the rams and i'm very low on the saints i just these these two teams are both competing for wild card spots the saints are still in the division mix in the nfc but i think the rams are a much better team um i almost i almost picked another game jay but I, i'll let you pick yours and see if it's maybe the other one i was considering well i, I mean i was gonna go with my rule and go with the dead cat bounce you you always bet on a team the week after they fire a coach. So Brandon Staley's going, I can't do it. I can't take the Chargers against the Bills. There's just no, no. way. So um, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Texans minus two and a half against the Browns. Mm, I just okay. I said it before. I, I'm not buying this Browns team. There's no way they should have won that game Sunday against the Bears. They were very lucky. Hail Mary aside to come to even yeah. be in that game. Um Texans with a really impressive, gritty overtime win at Tennessee without C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud should be back this week. Um, So I'm going to go Texans minus two and a half is my non-Bengals bet. My Bengals bet, I I just don't like it. I I, I said they could win comfortably. I might predict them to win comfortably. But I'm just not willing to go there if if we're we're betting, even though it's fictional fictional units we're dealing with. So uh, instead of touching the line – um, I'm just going to ride the hot hand and I'm going to go with Joe Mixon anytime touchdown. Mm, okay. That's interesting. Um, the, okay. The other game I was going to pick was the Packers minus four against the Panthers. Uh, the, I'm not picking that one, but that was my choice. Uh, the, the Packers have lost two straight games, but the Panthers are terrible. I, I don't, I have no faith in them. Uh, for my Bengals bet, I am actually going to go with the spread and I'm going to take the Bengals to cover the minus two and a half. I just, we talked about it. I, I just don't think the Steelers are very good. And I, and I, I almost 
you hate to say this because I think Mike Tomlin is a great coach and the, those players keep playing for him, but I just don't know how much motivation those guys have right now. You know George Pickens doesn't have very much if you watch, <laughs> watch him blocking in the near the end zone. I don't know about the rest of that roster. We know the Bengals have plenty of motivation. I just think it's I, – I, I think two and a half, I think the Bengals could easily cover that. Um, so for my prediction, I'll go ahead and say it, Bengals 27, Steelers 14. Ooh. I don't see it as a particularly close game. Maybe that's surprising, Jay. I, I don't know. I, I, I just have a lot of faith in how this offense, this Bengals offense is playing right now. And these teams are going in very separate directions. And I know it's an AFC North game. I know it's the, the Steelers always play tight, but I'm, I'm just feeling really good about the, the Jake Browning led Bengals right now. Maybe that's naivete. Maybe, maybe, maybe that is. We'll see on Sunday, but that's how I feel. I feel good about him. I don't know if I feel 27 points good about him. I've just, I've seen too many of these AFC North games in Pittsburgh in December. Steelers have their backs against the wall. Um, I don't, I don't think the, the Bengals are going to have trouble. I could see where it would happen, like what we talked about with the run game. But yeah, um, I just think this is going to be a much more low-scoring game. I'm, I'm going Bengals twenty to ten. Hmm. Okay, and that I mean that's a classic AFC North score. It, it right is. It, I, it, I like that. I really do like that. No, I, I, I could absolutely see that too. Um, so I think we're both on the same side. I mean, for once, I'm actually more I'm actually more optimistic than you. I think this <laughs> might be like a first on the PFN Bengals pod. But yeah, I think we're on the same page here that this. The, these teams are going in disparate directions and the Bengals are clearly ascending while the Steelers are descending. And that doesn't mean it's a guaranteed win, but it means that we do feel good. So if they, if they come out with that win, depending on what happens, they could be anywhere from coin flip, you know, favorites into the playoffs to like we talked about, maybe 75%, maybe somewhere in the middle, depending on how this weekend goes. Right. Mm-hmm. It, every one of these last weeks is going to be huge for the Bengals chances. So I, I think, Obviously, the number one focus is winning this game against the Steelers, but then we can all sit back and watch how the rest of these AFC wildcard contenders kind of shake out this weekend and, and, and see where the Bengals are coming next week, Jay, right? So anything else, yeah, I think, before I mean, we sign off and kind of look look into this game for next week? Yeah, a lot of people might have uh, family plans on Christmas Eve, but just sit back, watch all the games, root against the other, other teams. Um, I, I did want to point out that uh, you, you talked about the optimism and you're more optimistic than me. I keep a running tally. Uh, this may mm-hmm. not surprise people, but I have a spreadsheet of all of our <laughs> predictions through the season. Um, if, if I was right on every prediction this year, the Bengals would be 12 and two. And if you were right on every prediction, the Bengals would be 11 and three. So <laughs> we, we have been, I mean, okay. even through the struggles with Joe Burrow yeah. and, and then the, I mean, we've, we've been pretty optimistic about this team. Um, But I I think it's warranted right now, just the way they're playing, uh, the way the Steelers are playing. Um, This is a game they should win. They need to win. Um, It's going to be a lot harder to get to the – because you said they got to go two and one. That almost makes Mm. Kansas City a must win. This is one they got to have. Yep. Absolutely. All right, everyone out there, enjoy the holidays. We will be back next week to recap this game and see where the Bengals are in in this race. Uh, Please give us a review, like, and subscribe on YouTube. Jay – Have a wonderful Christmas. Everyone out there, have a wonderful Christmas. We will talk to you next week.